host Robbie Floyd and today we are going to be previewing the weekday games we got quite a few games this week six of our seven sports teams are playing um, so we're going to go ahead and get right into it starting off with the women's basketball team they're going to be taking on Iowa Wesleyan tonight at 5:30. and look Iowa Wesleyan one of the bottom teams in the conference so I think this is one that Webster's going to be able to come out and win pretty handily. Um, in fact, my biggest key to this game is I think this is a good one to try to get Naomi Johnson going. And, you know, certainly we've talked about it several times of all the sports teams at Webster, the women's basketball team may be the less, the least concerned with individual kind of accolades. And, you know, Naomi Johnson is one of the most talented players on this team. And I think for them, for the women seem to really come out and be the top dog in this conference and take out Greenville next time they play them, which is actually going to be on Friday. Um, we'll cover that in our Friday show. But I think they're going to need her firing on all cylinders. Julie Bondistel has really come along as the top scorer on Webster. It's taken the load off of Johnson. It's taken the load off of Eddie Beesink as well. Um, but I would love to see Naomi Johnson come out here firing for Webster, you know, I, I think you're going to be able to beat this Iowa Wesleyan team pretty handily. So, you know, Naomi Johnson, you look at her season so far, she was cold in their first game. And then the second game, she got into foul trouble, so didn't play much. And then that third game, just they didn't need her very much because they, they handled the game pretty, you know, pretty handily. Um, but I think you're going to want Naomi Johnson to really start to get going. I'd like to see her take a lot of three-point shots tonight. And, you know, Coach Olofsson may not go that route but I think this is a spot where you are going to win the game you know your team is much more talented than the Iowa Wesleyan team um, this is a spot where I think you try to get players going and specifically Naomi Johnson because I you know Addie Beesink hasn't been putting up the numbers that we expect but that's more so just Julie Bundistel has played so well that you haven't needed Addie to really take up points in the paint um, but Naomi Johnson's been missing too many shots and you know I think this is a good game to get her comfortable, get her confident again, and let her shoot all she wants um, and really rack up the points. Another thing here, I'd love to see Beth Lancaster get to play a lot in this game. She's one where when she's been in, I think she's been a really impactful player, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Um, she needs to learn how to stop fouling. You know, I think she's a very physical defender, and maybe the high school refs are a little bit more lenient to let players play than the college refs because she's gotten in foul trouble a couple times in her limited playing time. And that's just, it's not out of games. You know, she comes in for four minutes, commits two fouls, and then she's out of the game already. So, um, but I'd really like to see her get going. Cause I think she could be a vital part to this defense, especially on the interior. I don't know when Dari Hunter is going to be back and playing. Um, so I think that this is a really good spot for Lancaster to really, you know, kind of get into her own in the collegiate basketball game. I think she's still trying to get adjusted to it. So I think in this game, this is where you get her comfortable in the court, let her play a heavier amount of minutes. Um, you kind of saw that with Rachel Drennan in the Westminster game. She got to play, I, I think, like 20 minutes. She played a lot in the Westminster game. Didn't do a whole lot, at least not on the stat sheet. She was more in there to make an impact on defense, I think, and, and to pass the ball. Um but, yeah, I, I, I really like Beth Lancaster. I think she could be a really key part of this defense. You know, her and, and Addie B-Sync in the paint together, 
it's really tough to score on them one on one because I mean Beth Lancaster. The the example I go to is in that Spalding game. Hunter Wright, Lancaster was only in the game for a short amount of time, but when she was in there, Hunter Wright couldn't even touch the ball, and Hunter Wright was towering over the rest of the Webster players. She was kind of the option where they kept passing it to her because she was the only one that could get open. But Beth Lancaster really shut that down and created some turnovers. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to see her get a chance to really get comfortable in the college game in this one. But I, I think this is one that Webster's going to be able to take pretty handily. Um, I'm excited to just see how many points that they can put up and really how little points they can hold Iowa Wesleyan to. So a good one. Last set on tonight, it's going to be a Grand Gymnasium at 530. Uh, I'm not sure who's doing the broadcast tonight. I would give them a shout-out if I knew. It might be Zach Goodman. I'm not sure. But certainly, go ahead and check that broadcast out. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Good to see a Webster women's basketball win, I'm pretty confident. On the other side, you got the men's team also playing Wesleyan. Same kind of deal. You know, Wesleyan, not a big basketball school. Um, This is another spot where I think a good chance in a game that you are the better team to really get back to, you know, being comfortable in your game. Um, you put together a great win against Westminster, the men's basketball team did, and Westminster's a good team. I mean, I don't know what they're at on the standings wise, but in the preseason poll, I mean, they were ranked above Webster. Um, so this is a really good spot. That's a really good win. This is a really good spot to sort of build on that momentum. You get a nice win over Westminster, and Westminster actually out to a one and two start. I just looked, um, and you're playing a team that isn't very good. You know they were uh, might have been dead last if they weren't dead last in the preseason poll. They were they were seventh. So this is a spot. And now that I look, so they were, um, yeah, they were dead last in the preseason poll. So this is a spot where I think you can really take it to them and get a win. Marcus Becton seems to be the guy that they're starting to turn to as a third scoring option. He's averaging 10 points a game um, elsewhere on the team. I mean, you'd love to get Javon Nugent going. He's played well. He's just, he doesn't want to take any shots. And I know he's in there more for his rebounding than anything else, but I think you're looking for more scoring options. Um, that is where you could find it potentially with John Nugent, if he wants to start taking more shots, he's only, I mean, he's only attempted 15 shots in three games. So um, you could get him going. Uh, Mark Moore is another one I think is going to be a big name to watch in this one. See, I mean, clearly they're giving him the reins to shoot. Um, I mean, he has 14 three-point attempts and the rest of the team only has 32. So he's taken nearly half of the three-point attempts by the team. Clearly, Coach Bunch is willing to go to him, letting him kind of get free range. He's not shooting a good percentage, just 286 right now. But if you can get him comfortable and get him confident, I think Mark Moore could be a real impact player that could really help this team because right now it's just a one-dimensional offense. You pass it inside to Etienne. You pass it inside to Becton. They put up a layup, and, and that's the extent of your scoring. When Brown Jr., I think he's the only one where when he gets the ball, the other team wants to take away the three-point shot, but he's just so fast that he's able to get by him and score on the inside anyway. Uh, when Brown has the second most three-point attempts on the team with just eight, so he's way behind Mark Moore. I think they'd be comfortable with him taking more shots, but he just doesn't need to because they're taking it away from him. He's a smaller guy, so he's not getting good leverage on these blockers. He's just able to get in and score on his own anyway. 
Um, so I'd love to see Mark Moore really get comfortable, shoot some threes in this one. He's probably going to be my player to watch. I'd like to see him have a nice breakout game. He's a guy that on the podcast we really liked early on in the season. So I'd like to see him kind of have his breakout game here um, and really turn into a key contributor for this men's team and kind of lead them back on the right track. You know, started off on the wrong foot this season, a really tough loss to Fontbonne, who's, again, a really good team. But you get beat by by that. There's more problems than just them being a better team than you because they they outplayed Webster in all sense of the word. So a good game to get back on track here if you're Webster. Again, I'd like to see Mark Moore do his thing. Rod Etienne and Wynn Brown, I think, have been good. Um, maybe you could see Marcus Becton have a big game here. I'd like to see somebody else besides Etienne and Wynn Brown have a big game. And I'm not just talking 10 points. I want a big game here from somebody. That's what I'm going to be looking out for. Moving right along. Women's soccer is going to open up their season tomorrow on Wednesday. They're going to take on Greenville and Greenville here in the preseason poll. They're ranked second. So this is a team, a matchup of top two teams in women's soccer. Now, unlike the basketballs and both Webster basketball teams played Greenville to open up their season, but unlike this one, Greenville hasn't played a game yet. So they're not going to have that advantage of they've been playing games and, you know, Webster's getting into their first one. Historically, Webster has, has dominated Greenville um, in women's soccer. They're 31 and three all time. So this is, this is a spot where I, I expect Webster to win. Although this is a better Greenville team than, than has been in the past. It's a really good Webster team. And, Obviously, you know, they're good every year. They won last year, but I think this team has a potential to be even a little bit better. Um, you look at this team, they, I'm surprised if you look at the preseason poll, they didn't get the majority of the first place votes, which is odd to me because I think this team is a top player. And I know Melissa Casper's gone. Lily Bauer is also gone. Um, but I think, you know, Riley Gromit, who was the slack newcomer of the year, she's really, really good. Um, and then you look at some scoring options. Obviously you have, oh, it's killing me not remember her name. Uh, Jordan Landy is yes. Jordan Landy is, you're going to be your top scorer. And still this is a team that's built on defense. Um, in fact, I'm not sure where the rest of scoring is going to come from outside of Landy. Uh, going back to last year, I mean, the top scores for the most part are gone. As I look here, yeah, Melissa Casper is gone. Savannah Page is going to be gone. Um, Jordan Ballou is the next one. I think she could have a bigger role in the scoring here, but really it's going to be a defensive game. I mean, you got one of the best goalkeepers, not only in the slack, but I think in, in Division Three soccer in general in um, Taryn Banfield. She's a superstar. And then you got some young players on defense player that we haven't talked about a lot, uh, Kelly Bowen, who is a really decorated high school player. I'm not sure how much playing time she's going to get this year. I hope that she sees the field a lot because I I really think she could be a really impact player on this defense. Um, I'm a big fan. Jenna Stobie, another one, really good player. Um, I'm trying to go back and think who our sleepers and breakouts were. Uh, Jordan Landy, I remember, was my breakout. Kelly Bowen was one of our sleepers. And, again, I think she could really make an impact on this team. I'm not sure if she'll find the field this year just because the roster is so deep, especially defensively. They didn't lose a lot from last year. Um, so the women's soccer breakouts, Riley Gromit, we talked about a little bit. I think she's a 
top tier defender. I mean, I think she's going to be in play for defensive player of the year this year in the Slack soccer. And then Jennifer Munger is another one who I really like. Um, Munger is one second as I look this up. Jennifer Munger. So she is a freshman forward for Webster. I think I really like her as a breakout candidate. Again, this team's looking for scores. I think Munger could be one where she could get a big, you know, role in the scoring sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, she she racked up goals in in her high school years. I mean, she had eleven goals as a junior and um, in high school. So I like Jennifer Munger. I think she could. Add, again, I'm not sure how much Luigi Skire, the coach of the women's soccer team, is going to put his freshman out there to make plays. I hope he does because I think he's got some talented freshmen, um, but we'll see. Moving on to the men's soccer matchup, they're going to be taking on Greenville, and the men's Greenville team, not quite as good as the women's team, but the men's Webster team isn't quite as good. So Greenville actually ahead of Webster in the preseason poll, Greenville came in at third, Webster came in at fourth. And looking at this Greenville team, you know, to start out the year, they are, give me one moment. You know, when you're doing these shows by yourself, you know, you don't really have a moment to pull up these stats while somebody else is talking. So Greenville, they are four and, oh, I'm sorry, they're 0-2-1 and one on the season. They have four goals and allowed six. So Greenville has not gotten a win this year. Webster obviously coming in 2-0. Um, Greenville played some good competition, but this is one that I think the Webster team can take. And seeing the Webster team play, and Fontbonne, you know, is not a, a top-tier team, to say the least, but the Webster team looked really good. And they not only beat Fontbonne, they crushed them, in my opinion, um, not even allowing Fontbonne to get to the goal. So I think that this team still has a lot of potential Obviously, they're they're a defensive squad. I mean, Isaac Pearson, Justin Kohler, Cam Killian, um, even going down the line, Dylan Jannon, Tanner Hagen. Um, they lose Justin Schmidt last year. Kind of talked about that a bit last week. But I think they have the defensive firepower for sure. The question is where the scoring is going to come. So as I thought about it, you know, I didn't really mention this on yesterday's show. But now as I thought about it more, it's really good to see four different players score those four goals in the Pompon game because you're not sure where goals are going to come from outside of Amon Mervin. It's good to see that you got some depth there. And I think Matt Coffey looks to be the guy. Um, you know, we saw a little bit of a timeshare with him and Matt Amick last year. I thought we may see something similar here, but with Coffey starting both games against Fontbonne, it looks like he's the guy. He didn't play amazing, but Really, he didn't have to because the defense was so good. They didn't even let Pompon get to the goal. So this men's team, I think that they have the momentum. I feel pretty good about them taking this one home against Greenville. Um, I mean, you look, the last the last couple times they've played each other, it's been really close. I mean, you got, let's looking at their last four matchups. You have a one nothing Greenville win. You have a 0-0 tie. But since it was a playoff game, Greenville won on penalty kicks. Then you have a 0-0 tie in regular season and went to double overtime. And then you have a 1-0 Webster win. So this match is going to be low scoring. It's going to be highly contested. Greenville, another good defensive squad. 
And Webster is certainly not a potent offense, I would say. I think it'll be a really good game. I'm excited to see this is a really good test game for me to see if this Webster team is going to be the real deal or not. Um, Because, look, I, I was a little hesitant about them going into the year. I don't think that they have played up to their potential the last few years. So this year I was more willing to write them off. Um, I certainly didn't have them with a losing record or anything. Let me pull it up here, actually. So I had the men's soccer team going eight and five, which certainly is not a losing record, but I think the men's soccer players, when they saw see eight and five, they expect themselves to be a little bit better than that. And certainly if they win this one and if they win it in convincing fashion, I could definitely change my tune and, and be really excited about this team, but we'll see. I think they have a lot to prove before I'm willing to say that they are a tournament champion contender or anything like that. Let's go ahead and move on to the volleyball matchup on Wednesday night. And this one is the one I'm really excited to talk about. So Webster with a huge upset over Westminster college back on Sunday. And now they play Greenville, which I was on the Greenville broadcast back when they played them. It was just their second game of the year, and Greenville smacked them. I mean, they come out and hammered Webster. I, I did the broadcast for that game, and it was not pretty. I mean, Webster, they, you know, had some moments where they were contending, but for the most part, it was all Greenville. I mean, they won two of the three sets. They won by eight or more points. One of them was 25-21, which, yeah, somewhat close, but for the most part, Greenville just, just smacked them in that game, and it was a good one from them but I said on that broadcast and then I think I said it again on the podcast I would be nervous if I'm Greenville to play this Webster team because I said that they were going to get better as the season gone on and I'll tell you what I felt like I was eating my words a little bit when they lost to Fontbonne because that was a really bad loss I felt like that could be a loss that really deters you from having a good season but now you play Greenville and Look, this is a make-or-break game, I think. Um, I think if you go all the way back to the volleyball season preview, way back when, I think when we did that, I had Greenville beating Webster in both matchups. But I think this is one that Webster can definitely come out and win after, obviously, after beating Westminster like that. Westminster beat Greenville 3-0. So, excuse me. Um, This is one that Webster can win. And I think if Greenville's overlooking them, which, you know, look, everybody has heard about this upset over Westminster. So I don't think Greenville's going to be overlooking them. But if they are, Webster can certainly come out and really smack it in their face because that may have been what Westminster was doing. I mean, Westminster, they just watched Webster lose to Fontbonne, which, yikes, that was a bad loss. And then Webster comes out and really takes it to him um, and wins that one 3-1. You know, I didn't mention this in the recap yesterday, but if you look at that that Westminster series, Webster wins the first two. And then the third set, Westminster crushes them 25 to 12. It was absolute destruction. And I think that was a spot where you could have seen Webster kind of break down and lose that one, but they were able to come back and look really strong in the fourth set. So a nice one there. I'm curious to see where Webster is going to end up when the next um, – national ranking comes out for division three do you put them above westminster i mean they just beat them 3-1 i think a lot of it's going to contend on what they do in this greenville game but if they beat them i mean we could see a top 10 webster ranking so we'll see um but this is going to be a good game and i think this is a must watch here tomorrow night 
going to be at 7 p.m. I would definitely turn that one on and check it out because it's going to be a must-watch game. The question for me is going to be, how do you deal with the blocking attack from Greenville? Because that was the big issue back when they played each other last time. Um, and then the second big issue was the setting because setting was really rough. Anna Finch is a top player in the Slack. I'm not sure what kind of season she's having in terms of if she's, you know, in contention for player of the year again. Um, I'm not sure. I'm trying to pull that up here. So she's having another really good blocking year. Not quite the scoring that we see from here typically, but she's a middle hitter. So not necessarily playing a spot with a huge scoring. She's leading the league in hitting percentage. So, you know, still obviously a really good player. Anna Finch was causing all kinds of problems on the blocking side. She's just so good at recognizing where the ball's going and able to get over there for a block. She's one, she's the best middle blocker in Slack, and I have no qualms in saying that. She is the best middle blocker. Where you can have an advantage is with Alexis Wolf and Lauren Bork. You have to spread them out so that Anna Finch has to take away one of them. She can't take away both. That way you're going to get a one-on-one matchup with Wolf or with Bork. Um Probably going to be with Wolf just because Bork's played so well. I don't think that they're going to want to leave Bork one-on-one. So Alexis Wolf is going to be my key player in this one. I think she's got to win those one-on-one matchups when she gets it. And then the second key is going to be the setting. There was a lot of setting issues, a lot of, I think, eight or nine double touches last time that these two teams played. And Jordan Limpa is, you know, one of the best, if not the best, uh, I'm sorry, setters in in the slack and she slowed down a bit. She was leading the slack and assist for set a little bit ago. Now she's down at fifth, but she's still a really good player. One of the best setters in the slack. I think Ali Spore, who's played really well and Delaney Demon, obviously since she's come in, she's played well. I think you got to focus on those back sets and being able to put the ball on the outside while making it look like you're going to go to Boric on the other side. So getting that ball back to Alexis Wolf on the right side, but facing Lauren Boric, you know, it's what we call a back set where you go backward with the ball. Um, Cause that's going to make Anna Finch cheat toward Lauren Boric. And then you can get her on the backside with Alexis Wolf. Obviously you're counting on Alexis Wolf to win those one-on-ones. And then you look at the hitting depth, Peyton Eichel, obviously a huge game. She had her career best kill game in that Westminster one. So you're probably going to look to her to have another good game. Allie Spore obviously has become an attacking threat. Um, But I think the bigger key is going to be Julia Fry and coming in the second rotation to block, really stuffing these Greenville hitters. I mean, Greenville doesn't have a, you know, really dominant outside hitter, I would say. Um, they don't have a Lauren Boric. I'm sorry, Maya Bonacorsi, um, she's good, but I don't think she's dominant. I think, you know, she's more of a system player or whatever. She gets a set and, and does a good job, but I don't think she's dominant. So I think when you use the blocking to really make sure that nobody on Greenville is getting a good look to hit, that's where you can kind of disrupt them. And Jordan Limpa obviously is really crafty with her sets. She's not as good at dumping it over as I think um, a top, like if you look back last year to Jenna Rodriguez, Jenna Rodriguez was the best at that that I've ever seen. So Jordan Limpa is not quite good at that. So I think you can kind of remove that possibility and really focus on stuffing the Greenville hitters. 
what she does do a really good job at is that tight set on the middle. And I think that's where you got to see Julia Fry really make an impact. Take away that middle hitter because that's where Anna Finch is playing, right? So Jordan Limpa does a great job of that tight set straight to the middle to Anna Finch. I think Julia Fry needs to just take away the the double block and just worry about playing Anna Finch one-on-one, which how many are you going to win of those? I don't know. I've been impressed with Julia Fry blocking just in general. I don't know how many one-on-ones you're going to win with Anna Finch, but I think that's where you take your chances. Um, I think Webster can be more inclined just because they're a good blocking team with Kylie Burke, Alexis Wolf, and Julia Fry. And Lauren Bork has held her own blocking. I think they're a good enough blocking team where you can try to win some of these one-on-ones. Mia, Mia Bonacorsi on the outside against an Alexis Wolf, if she's playing outside. I think Alexis Wolf can win that. You know, you look on the other side, you have Lauren Borg going against their right side hitter, and they don't have a dominant right side hitter. So I think this is one where Webster can definitely come out and take it. It's just going to require, I think, a big game from Alexis Wolf, and I think you're going to need another big performance from um, Kylie Burke because I think you're going to have to take some of these one-on-ones, especially in the middle. And I don't like the Kylie Burke matchup with Anna Finch as much as I like the Julia Fry, just because Finch is so big and Burke is so short. Burke does a great job of getting up there, no doubt. And, you know, she was the slack defensive player of the week for a reason. So she's a good player, no doubt. But I think Fry has the height on Finch and maybe is able to get her hands up higher so that Finch just can't go over. We'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how... Greenville wants to attack Webster's blocking scheme and how Webster wants to block against Greenville. The biggest thing to me is going to be how, how do they attack? Um, and like I said, I want to see back sets to Alexis Wolf, try to get her as many one-on-ones as possible. And then maybe once they try to take away Alexis Wolf, then let Lauren Boric eat. I don't like Lauren Boric to put up a big kill number because I just think they're going to take it away from her. Um, let me look back real quick. So Boric, Boric, I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull it up here to see how many kills Boric had in the last time these two teams faced. So Lauren Boric had just six kills, and that was that's her low of the season. Just six kills against Greenville last time, and they were deliberately trying to take her away. Um, and I think they're going to do the same thing. Make somebody else beat you. Alexis Wolf had 10 kills in the game. I think you're going to need a 15 to 20 kill game from Wolf to really – ISIS one away, or you need somebody else to step up like a Peyton Eichel um, or Julia Fry. So we'll see. I'm excited. I would like to actually see Katie Skilton get some more playing time in this one. She can kind of be another disruptor on the right side um, because in terms of how of right side hitters, they've been playing Spore on the right side when then Alexis Wolf has come out. So I think if you played Spore, more in the back row and have a skeleton hit on the right side. That could be another place to get an advantage just because, you know, she's a left-handed hitter. It's going to be more natural for her to hit from the right side. Um, and she can catch some, some of the Westminster blocking, I'm sorry, Greenville blocking off guard. Um, so those are my thoughts. I think it's going to be a great game. I think in terms of a viewing standpoint, this is going to be the most fun game to watch of the week. So definitely check that one out. I'm going to go ahead and say Webster's going to take it. And look, I, I know a lot of these predictions I make is for Webster to win. But look, I'm a Webster sports fan. I know the Webster teams um, pretty well. So I think that Webster, there's certainly a path for them winning this. And honestly, I don't want to pick a Webster loss unless I'm very confident about it. Because 
I don't want to pick a Webster loss and then they win. And then it feels like I doubted them because, you know, I'm a big Webster fan. So whenever I see a path for them to win, I'm going to take the Webster win. And I definitely see a path for um, a Webster win in that Greenville matchup. The last game we're going to be talking about here is a softball doubleheader on Wednesday. They're going to be playing Illinois College. And historically, Illinois College has been a really tough matchup for Webster. Um, or actually, no, I take that back. I must have misread this last time. Historically, Webster's been a good matchup against Illinois College. They're 14 and 7 all time. Last time these two teams met up, Illinois College was able to take it 11 to 5. But that was the end of a two game series, and Webster took the first one. But, you know, obviously this is not the same Webster team that we've seen in the past. I think this is a split spot. I think in, in the two games, I think each team will take one. This Illinois College team isn't very good this year. Um, so I think it's definitely a spot where Webster can sweep it. I think it's close between who's better between Nebraska Wesleyan and Illinois College. Um, actually, you know, I'll take that back. I think they can definitely sweep both of these games. Webster can. I'm curious to see what pitching matchups they're going to go to because obviously Morgan Parrish looked amazing when she pitched. I believe Parrish started one game and then came in for like six innings of relief in a, in a different game. So are they going to start her? You imagine Kirby Mendenhall. It seems like she's the ace. That's how they've been using her. I mean, they've started her in, in the two big games. Mendenhall did not look good in the Transylvania game and then you saw Morgan Parrish come out and shut him down. I'd love to see Morgan Parrish just start the game. Um, but I understand if you want to have her out of the pen, if she's going to have the capability to throw six shutout innings in relief, you'd love to have that out of the bullpen. Um, and I'd like to see Ariana Arias make a start. You know, I don't know how she's looked in practice or whatever. Maybe she's not looked very good. So maybe that's why she hasn't pitched yet. Um, but you know, last year she was your best arm. It seems like she was on a path to continue to get better. So I'd like to see her get a chance to get out there and show what she's got because I think she has ace potential. Um, but we'll see. I think the hitting is the bigger question mark. You got to get some of these players going. You look at Abby Burroughs just hitting 250 to start the year, a 583 OPS. Certainly not where you want to be. Um, Shayla Ninguez doesn't even have a hit yet this year which is rough. Avery Bocella, same way. She's only 143 start the season. And then Reese Wagoner, although her one hit was a huge one, she's only one for six. So got to get this offense going. Um, You know, looking at the bench, I'm not sure who you sub in. If you're going to want to find some offense on the bench, I'm, like I said, I'm not sure who you go to. It's tough when you haven't seen the softball team play much. You know, last year, a lot of their starters are back. Um, so looking at it, yeah, I'm not sure who you could go go to on the bench. We'll see. I'm not sure if we're going to see a lineup shakeup. I think the team's two and one. Um, I think you just, you know, knock it to early season struggles and stick with the lineup you have would be what I would think to do. Paige Thomas could see some more playing time. She's just hitting 200, though, in the early season. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Taylor Jackson is a person I'd like to see get more playing time. I think she's a really good hitter. I mean, looking back on – I'm trying to think of what year that she had a really good season. Um, if you look back – so, I mean, in 2020, she had 357. 2019, she had 350. 
So she looks like a easy spot to just put it. I mean, she mashed in 2019. I mean, her, they don't have OPS on here. Um, but you look at trying to do the math in my head here. I mean, she had an OPS over well over 800, um, close to 900. I think that, you know, that's a great spot where you can just put someone in. I don't know where she fits in defensively, but she can play all over the place. I think she's played first in the past. Um, she can play second. She can play third. I don't know if you want to put her at short. Who have they been playing at short? Have they been playing Ninguez at short? So, yeah, Ninguez has been playing short. I don't know if they feel comfortable with Taylor Jackson playing short. I don't know. I mean, she's an all right defender, so I think she could play short. Worst case scenario, I think more than likely, instead of doing that, you would move Sydney Holtz over to short. Um, even Alyssa McWilliams, I think, could play short and, and be fine. Let me see here if I can find out. Let's see. So last year, Taylor Jackson. Oh, I'm trying to see here. I'm trying to find a game where Taylor Jackson played to see where they are comfortable playing her defensively. So this one, Taylor Jackson played second. So I don't think it's the end of the world if you want to put it short. I think, you know, Ninguez is certainly a better defender than Jackson. But I don't think it would be the end of the world. You can definitely play her at short. I, uh, you play her at second. Um, I was going to say, and just move Sydney Holtz elsewhere because you definitely don't want to take Holtz out of the lineup. I'm sure one of them could play the outfield as well. Um, but you have some options. I think that would be who I'd want to get in the lineup is I want to get Taylor Jackson in the lineup, see if she can spark an offense because clearly she has the upside. She hit really well in 2019. She hit really well last year, so I'd like to see her get some more playing time. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this is going to be a doubleheader sweep. I like the Webster pitching staff. The defense has played fantastic. That's, you know, Aninguez doesn't have a hit on the air, but if you're going to make an argument for her to stay in, that's going to be it. The defense has played fantastic. I don't know how many opportunities she's gotten. Sydney Holtz, I know, has played well at second. Um, let's see here. So Aninguez, Aninguez actually, oh, I'm looking at 2020. Ningwas did not play good defensively in 2020, had a fielding percentage below 900. This year, Ningwas. So this year, Ningwas, um, she's only gotten a couple opportunities. She's caught five pot flies, which is fun, um, and then has made three outs on ground balls without making an error. So, yeah, I think, you know, Alyssa McWilliams has played great at third. So you could look to potentially move her to short. She's not as mobile. Um, I, I think Aninguez is fine staying in the lineup. I don't know who you take out for Taylor Jackson, but I'd like to see her get some more playing time. Um, you certainly don't want to take Bochella out because she's just such a high upside bat. You trust her to get going. Maybe you could take Anna Mucky out the lineup for um, Taylor Jackson. Mucky made an error, and she's only hitting 200. But, again, she's a player that I like. I think she could be good. I don't know. I don't know. But I think this lineup needs a jump start. And I think where you get it is going to be potentially from Taylor Jackson. I think she could give this offense a nice boost. But we'll see. I'm excited to see what they do here. Again, you know, I talked about this Webster team being kind of in the middle of a rebuild here. Next year, I think, is a year where you could really see this team compete for a Slack championship. 
Um, but if they come out with a sweep here, they're off to a four and one start. Then yeah, sky's the limit. They could be ahead of ahead of schedule here. Morgan Parrish certainly, um, I think, comes out of nowhere and. She's got to keep it going, but certainly 11 shutout innings, that's not five shutout innings. I mean, 11 shutout innings is a really good start, and it's tough to fake that. You know what I mean? It's tough to fake being good for 11 innings, especially when you pitch against a team as good as Transylvania. So um, I like what we've seen from the softball team so far. So that's going to do it here. I'm going to go ahead and give a quick recap. So I'm going to go ahead and say I think the basketball teams come out and take care of business, get their wins. I think women's soccer comes out and gets a win, and they'll take care of business. The volleyball team, obviously, is going to be playing a really tough matchup. I am going to say they're going to take the win, and then I think softball is going to sweep the doubleheader. The men's team is a tougher case. That is one where I might want to go ahead and say that they're going to take the loss, maybe. Um Greenville's defense is just so good that I'm not sure where they're going to find scoring. You know, I think, honestly, if I were having to make a Stone Cold prediction, I may even say a tie. Um, The men's soccer team is the one I'm the least confident of. But if they get this win, then I'm willing to kind of change my tune on them. Um, I think I'm lower on them. And if you look at the – so if you look at my preseason record predictions – I was the lowest on the softball team. I had them going just 15 and 17. They were the only Webster team I had below 500. The second lowest team is my men's soccer team. I think I'm low on them, but I think they can very easily change my tune, much like the softball team has. I think the men's team could very easily change my tune if they come out with a convincing win against Greenville. So that's going to do it here for this episode. Tomorrow we're going to have some in-depth volleyball talk. Um, still looking to see if I'm, we're going to have a guest on that one. It's tough because of the travel schedule. They're going out to Greenville. Um, some players are even not available because of spring break. They don't live on campus or whatever. So we'll see. I'm not sure if we're going to have a guest on that one as of right now, it's just going to be me, but I have some really good ideas of what I want to talk about on that volleyball show. And then on Thursday, we're going to be diving deep into men's baseball and kind of looking at what they can do to really get better because although they're four and one, they have seen some chinks in the armor. So I'm excited to dive deep into their game. And then on Friday, we're going to be recapping all the games I talked about today. Also previewing the weekend schedule. I'm excited for that. That'll be with Brandon Burns. So once again, go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram at locked up podcast and be on the lookout for some more articles. Go ahead and check out on LockedUp.com. Give it a subscription. So that way you get the article straight to your inbox. Some interesting stuff is going to be coming out on that in the coming weeks, but thank you for listening. This is going to be Robbie Floyd. Once again, check out the rest of the shows that we got. Thank you for listening. And I'll talk to you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.